This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. Oh, it feels so good. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, filling in for JT The Brick. By the way, you can check us out a lot on the fifth quarter. You can check Eddie out on the fifth quarter all the time. You can check me and Eddie out frequently on the show together. We are taking over for JT The Brick today. We're trying to figure out who the top four teams in the AFC are, and we've Given some of our rankings, we're taking your rankings, 702-365-9200. Remember, we're doing this college football style. So it's about who you've beaten, who you've lost to. It's about how you've looked in the eye test. It's about what your record is. It's about whether or not you play in the Pac-12. All these things play into it. That's just a little subtle how dig for Eddie. <laughs> also, you can text us, RNR69187. You can text us uh, and, and tell us, frankly, how much you like hanging out with us. Or you can text us and tell us your top four. Either way, that's how it works. Just keeping DeMond busy behind the scenes as he's, uh, he's doing all of the work here keeping the show going. All right, Eddie, we've gone through our, our top two. I put the Chargers at three. Uh, I know that DeMond has disagreed with that, but we've overruled him. Uh, so at this point, I got, uh, I've got Titans at one, Bills at two. Uh, I've got Chargers at three. You okay with that top three? You want to change any of them? No, I'm I'm 100 good with that. I was actually just scribbling on my notes. I was you know moving the arrows and and realigning things based off our last conversation. And I think, look, that's that when I look at it at this point, seven games in with a lot of football left to go. That's how it shakes out for me. I, I think that the top three is very fair. And I think that depending on who you ask, and I know we're going to ask us because, hey, we're here, so you got to listen to us. I think the Raiders are at number four in that spot. I think that it's fair to say they're not in that top tier, that, that Buffalo, Tennessee, depending on who you ask, how you want those ordered, that tier. But I think that the tier just below, and I think a very good football team, but very similar to Cincy, Fitz, they're a very good football team with a lot of stuff still to prove. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And a lot of stuff still to prove is partially just sort of uh, brand bias. But this is what I always tell everybody, because so many people come in and say, why are the Raiders not giving getting more love? Well, to that, I would answer, why are we not giving the Bengals more love? Like Cincinnati fans are saying the exact same thing, right? Like if you're listening to Sports Talk in Cincinnati or the Bengals uh, flagship station, what are you hearing? You're hearing everybody say, why are we not getting more love? We're five and two, right? Like that's just that's real to every single fan base. And part of the reason that most people would say they're not giving the Bengals more love would be because they're the Bengals. Well, there's a lot of people that would say because they're the Raiders. So now what we have to identify is which version of the Raiders is real because we've seen a version of the Raiders for the first three games of the season that uh, absolutely looked capable of winning the close games, but like it was going to be a weekly heart attack, right? Like it, you saw flashes of dominance, but you also saw moments where you, the, the team sort of gave things away. You know, the first three weeks had a little bit of up and down, but really the will to find a win, and that's most important. Then you see two weeks that are absolutely forgettable. I mean, and yes, a lot of people are going to want to turn that to everything happening off the field, but I think it's fair to say on the field, the offensive line got their butts kicked for two games. And this team goes as the offensive line goes. Now, the offensive line has gotten a little bit better. We've seen a simplification of the playbook, as we've talked a lot about with Greg Olson as the offensive coordinator calling the plays now. We see a more in-control Derek Carr for the last two weeks. So our job as a committee is to try and figure out when you've seen through seven games three different versions of the Raiders – which ones are real, right? Like, we've seen close Raiders, we've seen lose Raiders, we've seen dominant Raiders. And which one of those versions is real? We'll get a real indication of that, I think, not 
not this coming week against the Giants. I think the Giants are still, like, if the Raiders go out and kill the Giants, what everybody will say is, it's just the Giants. And if the Raiders go out and struggle against the Giants, what everybody will say is, it's an East Coast game. Those are always difficult. Like, there's not a lot that's going to change anybody's mind. When you get the next segment of the schedule, that's when, as we always say in the college football world, it's going to work itself out. Like, are the Chargers, or are the Chiefs, now, sorry, one more time. Are the Bengals better than the Raiders? We'll find out November 21st, right? So these things are going to take care of themselves. But I think it's I'm comfortable right now putting the Raiders ahead of Cincinnati because there's more long-term proof of concept in Derek Carr's ability than there is in Joe Burrow's as much as I love Joe Burrow. Ding, ding, ding. That is exactly the point that I was going to go to is, look, Joe Burrow's playing a great brand of football right now. And I don't want to take anything away from everything that Joe Burrow has gone through over the past 12, 18 months. I really don't. But you look at Derek, and Derek Carr has done this before. He did this in 2016. Every year since Coach, when Coach Gruden was here, he got better and better and better. And you can make an argument right now that Derek is playing at the, the, excuse me, the best version of football that we have seen Derek play. He is completely in control of this offense. There is nothing that is going to show up on a game day where he's like, uh, I don't know if I've seen this before. And so for that reason and that reason alone, well, I shouldn't say that reason alone, but that as my reason number one, why I have to give the edge to the silver and black over the Bengals. And to your point, Fitz, this will get worked out. This will get figured out when the Bengals fly into Las Vegas, when they play at beautiful Allegiant Stadium in just a few weeks. But all the same, it is one of these, these are two teams now that it feels like they're kind of on parallel paths. Uh, it feels like they are two teams that are objectively good teams. I think that if you look around the NFL world, you have to acknowledge both these teams are good football teams. You don't get to five and two on accident. You just don't. But with that said, two teams that have a lot to prove and teams, frankly, that we still have some questions that we, that we need answered going into the latter part of the season. But Derek Carr, greater than Joe Burrow. So I give the nod, just like you, sir, I give the nod to the silver and black over the Bengals at four. Well, and, and again, the Bengals, I think there's a little bit of recency bias in everything. Watching the Bengals go to Baltimore and do what they did to the Ravens was absolutely stunning to me. So I yeah. think that's sort of, that's an eye-opening. There are a few times where you get a win and you look around and you say, holy cow, man, that is just different. And you and I said yesterday, when's the last time I found myself in the fourth quarter being able to put my feet up and not worry about the next play in a Raiders game? When's the last time I saw a team result to trickery just to try and make up for the fact that they're not as good as the team they're playing when it comes to beating the Raiders? Like, it's been a long time as a fan since I've seen that. And, you know, that those are all parts of the reasons why I feel really good about who the Raiders are right now. If I'm a Bengals fan, man, I feel good about who Cincinnati is because I'm coming off a 41-17 thrashing of the Ravens in a game that wasn't that close. And that's part of what makes Baltimore in this at 5-2 and two really difficult for me to figure out because the Ravens, I mean, just, just think about this. The Ravens have a win over the Chiefs, who I believe are very good. The Ravens have a win, over a, a dominant win over the Chargers, but they got dominated by the Bengals and they lost to the Raiders. So I don't really know what to make of a Baltimore team that's been decimated by injury, but has been able to overcome those injuries more weeks than not. Like, they also beat a good Colts team in overtime. So, you know, I, I'm looking at the Ravens saying, I guess that they're falling in the others receiving votes, like number six on this list for me, but I also wouldn't have a problem with com someone coming in and saying, at five and two, we're undervaluing who Baltimore is. Yeah, and to me, Fizz, it's the inconsistency, right? And to use the, the analogy we were using a little bit ago, it's like, you kind of feel like you're you're dating the dating the Ravens right now. Like, yeah, they're they're cool. I got a lot of questions. There's a few red flags that have popped up here and there. I don't know if I'm quite ready to go ring shopping. I don't know if this is the team that I'm going to ride with, uh, you know, now and forever. But they're a good football team. Look, man, Lamar is an incredible quarterback. He's an incredible athlete. And anytime you have that dude lining up at the backfield, you are a you are a, a dangerous football team. But 
we haven't seen it all kind of transpire yet, but we have a lot of football left to play. We have 11 games, 10 games, whatever it is. And, and I think that when all is said and done, they will have their kind of shot. They will have their chance to earn a berth into the postseason. But I, I'm with you. I think that it, it's it's just not fair and appropriate right now to put them in that upper echelon into that top four in this conference. It's just not. And- we're not even doing the look-ahead game because the look-ahead game, I mean, the Vikings have some brutal losses this year, but they've played really well. If you actually watch the games, not just their record, the Vikings have played pretty well. They've also got the Ravens still have the Browns left on the schedule twice. They still have the Packers. They still have the Rams. Like, the Ravens have a gauntlet. I've mentioned a few times that the Raiders have a gauntlet coming up. Well, so does Baltimore. So it raises a question if you and I both agree that the Raiders are falling at number four. And by the way, you guys can chime in, 702-365-9200. You can just tell us how awesome we are. Or you can tell us your top four uh, in the AFC right now. You can also text us, RNR69187. That's the way you can get, you guys can get in on JT The Brick Show. And uh, by the way, he's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're filling in for JT. You know, the question becomes, what's going to take – for the Raiders to be better than. Now, the Chargers is an easy answer. Like, go out and beat the Chargers. Like, they still have the Chargers ahead of them. So, uh, again, so, you know, I, I think that one solves itself. But you mentioned, and I agree with you, that the Titans and the Bills right now look like they're the two best teams in the AFC. What do we need to see from the Raiders to make them one of those two best teams? I think for me, Fitz, I think it's a continued development and continued maturation of this Raiders offensive line because we've talked about it all day. We talked about it yesterday that, frankly, this team is going to go as far as the offensive line is going to take it. And they are not unique in that. You look at most teams in the NFL, you cannot do a lot of things on that side of the football without a stud offensive line. And I think the Raiders offensive line led by Tom Cable have played their two best games in these past two weeks, both Raiders wins, very unsurprisingly. But for me, if that group can get better and better and better, if they can give Derek Carr time to operate, if they can op- open running lanes for Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs on the regular, not just ah, they had a rough day here, but they played better this week. If they can do that on the regular, if we can see that, we talked about that gauntlet fits when we get back from the bye. If they can do it over these next four weeks and we can look at it and tangibly say, this group, these big fellas up front are playing a better brand of football, I think then, obviously making sure everyone stays healthy, then you can start to have the conversation of are the Raiders now in that top, you know, one, two, three echelon. There are two games coming up in the next six weeks that I think are going to be prove-it games for that offensive line. And the funny thing is this is what happens when you play the schedule game. You start looking at teams and and you're not sure. Well, I would say that the Raiders offensive line has the opportunity because I'm a believer that reps make you better. At the end of the day, we keep talking about it. This offensive line that has been so banged up by injury needs reps. They're going to get reps against the Giants team that I, I believe the Raiders' offensive line is better than the Giants' defensive line. I don't think that's a hot take. Then they're going to get another game after the bye against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense is an abomination this year. Like, it is an, it's an absolute – it's a problem in all of the ways that the Chiefs' organization didn't think it would be a problem this year. Like, there are two ways that you can – I feel bad for whoever translates English in a 1,000 years because you can say, oh, that defense is a problem – or you could say that defense is a problem. The, the the Chiefs is the bad version of that. The, not yeah. the version that we're scared of. It's the version that we're laughing at. Like the 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 Chiefs defense is a problem in every laughable way. There there are a couple of games though. Washington, even though Washington is not a great football team, Washington has a great defensive line. And the Browns in December have a great defensive line. Like this offensive line needs to use the next couple of weeks to get those reps and get better because I'm with you. If the Raiders want to make not just the playoffs, but even be able to make noise in the playoffs, they're going to have to have the best version of the offensive line they can possibly have. 
I don't know that you can get that without reps. What I think they're lucky to have is two straight weeks where they're playing a defense that I think you can get right against. No, and I agree with you there. And first off, big credit to Tom Cable for, we talk about uh, Ole's willingness to uh, deviate from the plan, to improvise, to not be stuck in his ways. And credit to Tom Cable for saying, hey, look, Alex Leatherwood on the on, at right tackle isn't necessarily working out for us the way that we wanted to. Let's kick him inside for the time being. Let's give him a chance to be the best version of himself for right now. Because I think that at the end of the day, Alex Leatherwood is the future right tackle of this team. I think in 2022 and beyond, and hopefully for a very, very, very long time, he is the guy on the right side of that line. But for now, in the best interest of the team, in the best interest of the player, let's kick him inside. And, and so I think Cable deserves a ton of credit for being nimble, for being open to that possibility. But to your point, Fitz, yes, this team has a chance to get right. This team has a chance to get their reps, speaking about the offensive line in particular, to get that familiarity with one another. Because as crazy as it sounds, right, we knew coming into this season that one of the biggest questions surrounding the 2021 Las Vegas Raiders, for me, the two, the two biggest questions were this. One, how does the defense hold up in, in a year with Gus Bradley? How does it look for them? And question number two, really question 1A, is how does this offensive line look? And we've got, I think we've received answers to both of those questions. But to your point, if this team wants to make any noise in the postseason, first off, they got to get to the postseason. But if, in order to do that, this offensive line has got to be at their best. And if they keep trending up, 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 uh, things get very interesting now. Yeah, again, I'll say I think the Raiders' defense is better than the Titans' defense. Uh, the Titans' defense has, has tried much like uh, Vegas has to rebuild this year. But I, I do believe the Raiders have a better defense today than the Titans. Uh, very similar, though, in the Titans' aggressive approach, getting Bud Dupree to come over and waiting for him to get healthy. But they, their thought was bring in a free agent that can help uh, get more pressure on the opposing team's quarterback, and that's worked for them, much like Yannick Ngakwe has worked for the Raiders, right? So I, I, part of the reason I have the Titans ahead of the Raiders is just the matchup. Like, the Raiders at times have struggled to stop the run, and the entire league all the time struggles to stop Derrick Henry. So, you know, there, there's a matchup issue there that gets a little problematic. I, I keep looking at the Raiders' offensive line, and to your point, I, I will echo, uh, I agree with you 1,000%. I, I believe Leatherwood is the future at right tackle. I, I, I don't think we've seen anything that takes away from that. It's much like our Ruggs conversation was yesterday, where it's like, hey, Remember that some guys take a second to acclimate to being a pro, and when you're out on the edge as a tackle, one of the most difficult parts about it from the offensive lineman I know in my life that I've talked to is that you're on an island. Like, you don't get a lot of help, and when you get that help, everything's got to go right for the help to work. So your running back needs to step in to chip the right way at the right place at the right time. That's a lot to ask a rookie to learn, and not everybody gets it at the same time. When you're playing inside a guard, you have help on two sides, and that help doesn't just come from the physical aspect of help. It also comes from the communication aspect of help. It's easier to communicate to the center when you're standing directly next to him. So all of this speaks to helping a young offensive lineman get more reps, right? So the more reps he gets starting on the offensive line, the better he's going to be. That doesn't mean anything to this offseason when I believe they're going to come into Leatherwood and say, okay, now we've got you. Now you're used to being a pro. Now you know what it's like to live in Vegas. Now let's grow you into our right tackle. I, I think all of that can be true. At the end of the day, though, where this team had to make a quick decision is because, to your point, Eddie, it was better for the team to move him inside because of injury and also because, guess what? This team's 5-2. and two. So at some point, you no longer have the learning curve that you thought you might have had on the outside edge. If you're looking at it and saying, my God, we need to make the playoffs. We, we have the opportunity to make the playoffs. We have the weapons to make the playoffs. I, I would love to develop you, my friend, but we're going to have to put you in the middle so that we can get through this season. I feel like that's what's happening with Leatherwood right now, and it doesn't speak to his long-term. It speaks to his short-term need to help the team. 
I mean, you heard it from Ole uh, when they ultimately decided to kick him on the inside. It was, hey, he's one of our five best linemen, and we're playing our five best linemen. And whatever that combination ends up looking like, he's one of those five, and we're going to put that five out there because to your point, Fitz, this is a good football team. At the time, it was a good football team. And you're looking around being like, hey, we feel really good about what we're doing on defense. We would feel a whole lot, a whole lot better about what we were on offense if we get this line figured out. Alex Otherwood, undoubtedly, unquestionably, an extremely talented dude. You don't get picked in the first round if you are not a stud just based on talent alone. So he can play offensive line. We have seen that at Alabama. We have now seen that over the past couple of weeks here in Las Vegas. He is a quality offensive lineman. But to your point, let's put him in a position to succeed. Let us help the team because, hey, we're not one of these teams that we were talking about a little while ago that's 1-6 and six and we're looking ahead to the offseason. We have the time to develop and really look ahead to 2022 and beyond. No, 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 no. We have, we have eyes on winning the division. We have eyes on getting back to the postseason. And this one move – in conjunction with the other a handful of other things that's going to happen, this one move is going to help us get there. And, and look, I think that he is, like you said, the future right tackle. But for now, to help this team get to where they want to go, kick him inside, let him do his thing. I think you got to remember too, Eddie. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick. Uh, you've got to remember sometimes the whys, not just uh, not just the the hot take, but the why. And so a lot of people were talking about Leatherwood, and and I'm always real with everybody. I was hosting. The digital draft that night, uh, proud of the fact that we had 7.8 million viewers on ESPN Digital for our draft broadcast. We set a new record. That though, There was one pick over the course of three days of the draft. I covered every single pick for every single round. There was one pick that they got in my ears and they said, hold on, you got to stall. We don't have the footage on him. That was Leatherwood. And that's because nobody on our team thought that Leatherwood would go that high. I am real with everybody about that because I think the next question you have to ask yourself and you got to get answers to is why? Why did people think that he wasn't going to go that high in the first round? The answer to that isn't because he wasn't capable. I talked to people uh, that run the Senior Bowl. Uh, I've talked to people that scouted him in college. I talked to some of the people around him in Alabama. And the answer to why he was projected to go in the second round is simple. Nobody was sure if he's a tackle or a guard. And when you're not sure if he's a tackle or a guard, and you're not sure exactly where he fits, all of a sudden he becomes a second rounder. That's what happens. There were questions about whether or not he can be a pro tackle. Those are not questions that the Raiders had. So at some point, the Raiders have to trust their scouting department. They have to trust everybody involved in it and say, hey, y'all might not know whether or not he's a guard or tackle. We know, and we believe he is our tackle. That being said, now what are we seeing? All of a sudden, the offensive line needs help. The first thing you do for a guy that might be a guard and might be a tackle but can help you right now playing one of those positions is you do that. And, and, and I don't think that that has to be a hot take, and it doesn't have to mean anything's Awful. Like, there have been shows that I've gone into at ESPN where I feel like I do a certain set of things really well. And I'll walk in and they'll say, hey, this guy's out today. This guy's not going to be on the show today. We need you to do this. It might not be what I'm best at, but I'm going to do whatever helps that show get made. That's how we all are. If you make widgets for a living and you walk in and they're like, hey, you're the best spreadsheet maker we've ever seen in our life. But today, we need you working over here in this department. Like, that's real for everybody. And if you're the Raiders, you got to look at it and say, what's my best five and how do I make the best five that can last moving forward? What I don't want to see from the Raiders is the juggling back and forth of putting Leatherwood inside, outside, inside, outside, because it makes a massive difference to what they're asked to do. So if we're going to ask him to be inside for the season, let's move him inside for the season. Whatever it means for next season, we can figure out next season. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm with you where it's like, look, He's clearly played his best football as a Raider on the inside. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. That's, that's just a fact. That is reality. That is what is so. But knowing that he is going to be your future guy on the outside, 
He's going to have to move back at some point. But I do not want it to be week 11, week 12. Now, the one thing, Fitz, that we haven't acknowledged in this whole kind of scenario is the injury bug, right? Like if in a pinch, if Brandon Parker goes down, if Jermaine Illuminor goes down, whoever it is, if and he's got to kick outside, hey, man, tough, tough sledding, kid. Like you got to go back to where we thought you were going to be. But if everything, all things equal, if this offensive line stays healthy, keep him inside for the rest of this season. Let him get those reps, those invaluable reps, playing against NFL competition. When we get to the offseason next year, let's reset, let's take a breath, have a candid conversation about where we think he is going to be best on this team, and go from there. But no, none of the none of the flipping and the flopping, unless with that big caveat of you absolutely have to do it because of injury. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's all about the total haul that you get. As we were waiting for the pick to come in, I looked at everybody around me, and I said, in the first round, I said, no doubt, in my mind, 100%, I am certain, this is going to be Maring, the safety at a TCU. I'm telling you, that's who it's going to be. Turns out, around later, they got him. So it doesn't matter who you got. One and two, they got the guys that they needed at one and two. In the meantime, we're going to keep breaking down our top four, what the Raiders need to do to move up. And one team that I think we should be a little concerned about and that we're riding off too early. Plus, we'll take more of your thoughts on who the top four teams in the AFC are. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're filling in for JT The Brick. And we're back on the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT this week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. With a guest appearance by my dog, Annabelle, who's now decided Annabelle. to jump in my lap. Eddie Pascal, I'm Jason Fitz. We are filling in for JT The Brick. You can check us out, by the way, in the fifth quarter. And, uh, yeah, my dog has decided to come up and try and eat my microphone. So I'm not going to say no to her. I mean, she's a good girl, and she's been sitting here quietly, Eddie. I mean, that's what that's – what, we all know who the boss is around this house. Absolutely. You know what's funny, too, and I, I just noticed when we came came back from break, is we got to – and we're back in that read, Damon. Just as we were talking about yesterday. We were talking before we started rocking about, uh, about that Jimmy Fallon SNL skit. And I'm glad that we got a little homage to him in there. Damon, was that on purpose or was that just purely, uh, purely on accident? Purely on accident. It's purely a coincidence. But can I get your best and we're back? Oh, man. Let's see. Fitz, you want to go first? You want me to go first? No, no, no. I'll I'll do don't have well. a, I don't have a good one. You're the, you're the Jimmy Fallon fan. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Clear my thing. He goes, Dad, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Y'all, are, y'all have done that pretty well. We can all agree Jimmy Fallon was trash on SNL. Right? Oh, like, I mean, get out of here, Fitz. You've had enough. You've had enough. Un, you've, you've said enough hurtful things today. You said enough hurtful things about the Conference of Champions. You've now brought James Fallon into the mix. How dare you, sir? How dare you? I mean, look, like laughing at yourself because you think you're funny doesn't make you funny, and that's all he did on SNL. Like, you know, I, I'm a fan of people that were actually fun, like Jason Sudeikis, funny. All right, Jimmy Fallon, not. Will Ferrell, even though it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, funny. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, in fact, I'm even out on Chris Farley, which is a hot take whoa, for a lot of people. Whoa, 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 whoa. It is I funny mean, that you talk about the Will Ferrell thing, and, and you know he kind of has that, that one bit that he goes to over and over. And look, play the hits, baby. If it's funny, it's funny. But I heard, I heard him do this interview once, and he was talking about how there's that, that aspect of like Will Ferrell comedy where it's like, he just hits something so hard that it gets kind of annoying. It gets kind of cringy, but then it becomes funny again. And he said, it's very much by design because he goes, look, I will find a bit and I'll just keep riding it and I'll keep riding it, riding it, riding it. And people get sick of it. Like, you know, if he's doing like a skit and if like, if you know, the, the, the comedian, he like has a, has a peg leg or something, he'll bring it up and he'll bring it up and he'll bring it up. And eventually he goes, it does get unfunny for like a couple seconds, but then you break through on the audience 
And then it becomes funny again. He goes, and so many people give up before they get to that, like, that awkward part of it that they don't get the ultimate reward of like going full circle where it's funny. It was not funny. Ah, oh, you got me again. Round two. You got me, Will Ferrell, you crazy guy. I mean, that's, there is magic to him. And, and look, my, I was out on Will Ferrell for a long time because we all go through this. And Eddie and I talked about this in full transparency yesterday. Every person goes through it. And you know, if you're listening right now, you've gone through it. You've officially become an old guy when you're like, oh, I don't know. SNL just stinks now. It's not as good as when I grew up watching it. Like, everybody believes that. Everybody goes through that era. And I lived through that era of, like, I'm out on it during that Jimmy Fallon, like, Chris Farley, like, everybody, nobody, Horatio Sands, like, they all spent the whole time laughing at themselves oh, instead Horatio of actually Sands is being funny, funny, bro. Don't, don't, no, come on. Don't no. disparage the great Horatio Sands. I mean, it, 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 it's it's okay. Like, it's okay. What do you but then I came funny? back to it. Like, I had to I had to go through my stages to come back to it. I'm an SNL fanatic and, and love every generation of it, every era of it. And Apparently I not. I find something. Well, I mean, just particular Obviously guys. Obviously not. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, Jimmy Fallon, not, not particular. Like, laughing at yourself doesn't make you funny. I'll just keep going back to that. And Chris Farley was one note over and over and over again. No, you know, like, I just miss Dana Carvey and John Lovitz and Phil Harbin. See, that's me. Like, I'm the old guy. Those are the guys I sat up late at night. Like, I, I waited till mom and dad weren't paying attention, and I would turn the TV back on to watch that era. So, you know, that, that unfortunately, you're just too young to appreciate greatness. Isn't it funny, though, where I feel like everyone has that moment as a kid and it's probably a lot different now because these kids these days these youths jason they can just pull it up on the youtube and the googles and things like that but for us like i very much had that experience that you did where you're staying up late on a saturday uh and you're like all right is my is my mom and dad sleeping like is dad kind of nodding off in the lazy boy all right let's flip it over to nbc and watch saturday night live but it's so it's so cool that that's such a a, a, not even a generational thing. It just spans so many people's childhood. And I remember having such a vivid memory of like, I knew I was up late if the musical act came on and I was still awake. Cause usually I would be fall. I would fall asleep on the couch or something, but man, shout out to SNL one time. Yeah. And Sudeikis actually said in his monologue this week, he talked about like standing on the, the stage and so many legends being there. And he said, this place changed my life twice. Once when I was here as a cast member and a writer, but but the other time when I was a kid watching it, he, he referenced that exact thing you're talking about. And it's it's powerful for me when I actually got to like go to SNL in, in life. It was such a life changing moment. Humble brag that, you know, when you stand like five feet from the stage and you look at it and you're like, man, this is it just it just it hits different. Like SNL for me will always hit different, even if Jimmy Fallon is not funny. Uh, a 30 second timeout, 30 second timeout. Now, I don't want to blow your cover too much, but you are a very accomplished musician. So did you go uh, to Saturday Night Live as a like a viewer, as an audience member, or did you go to physically play Saturday Night Live? No, no. So I went. Uh, so twice the band that I when I was touring with the band Perry twice we thought we had Saturday Night Live, and both times it turned out we didn't get to book it. And then uh, there was one very notable rock band uh, that was playing Saturday Night Live that was going to have a string section playing with them, and I was supposed to play with them uh, for that, but then we added a show the day of, so I didn't actually get to Ooh. I didn't actually get to play SNL. It's on my bucket. It's the one thing on my bucket list as a musician that I never got to do, but I was lucky enough to have a really close friend in the house band, and so he invited me out to sit in and, and hang out with him. So I, uh, I ended up getting the opportunity to go to SNL and hang out with everybody and did the whole, but I didn't actually like play. I, I was going to play, didn't work out, but... Uh, it is still on my life memory arm. Like if anyone's ever seen me on TV, my right arm are the moments I'm proudest of in my life and uh, everywhere I've ever lived. And uh, SNL is on there because I'll never forget standing on, like I, I got to stand on the stage uh, with the band. I was just sitting in a chair, hanging out. 
as they uh, introduced everything. So uh, really cool, really cool. Yeah, uh, it, it hits different. Yeah, so I, I got to go but didn't actually get to play. I thought, too, recently Casey Musgraves was going to play, and one of her buddies uh, hit me up and was like, hey, could you come down to New York and play with Casey like a couple of weeks ago? And I was like, yes, I will do that. And then she decided to play the guitar naked instead. So there we go. I lost out on my opportunity. Who was, uh, the, uh, who was it, the host when you went, Fitz? Uh, I don't remember. Um uh. I remember his face, but I don't remember his name. That doesn't that make me a terrible person? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kinda. it does. I'll, I'll, but look I'll at you with all these, these subtle humble brags today. Yeah, you know, Casey Musgraves. I was going to go play with Casey Musgraves. And then oh, there's this unnamed, very high-level band. You know, yeah, look at you, man. Look I at you on throw a anybody under the bus for my, my SNL <laughs> opportunity that I almost got. It's just a, a, a rock band that a lot of people listen to that might or might not be from Vegas. Uh, so in the meantime, he's, uh, he's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're filling in for JT The Brick. And we've been talking about the top four teams in the AFC. You guys can chime in. Obviously, you can get in on the conversation. It's super easy to do. All you have to do is call 702-365-9200. Or you can text us, RNR69187. Devon, we got a text? Yeah, you guys got a text. Another one hyping you up. Yes. You boys, this is from the Mailman Raider. You boys make a great duo. There's a nice 10 o'clock slot we need to get you guys in permanently. (laughs) The Mailman. Hey, look, uh, by the way, mailman, uh, especially, I don't know where he's located, but can we just admit that being a mailman is such a tough job? Because oh, 99% yes. of the country, where you live, like, everybody, like, remember when it was neither rain nor sleet nor snow or whatever? Then I moved to Connecticut, and I'm like, no, there's no amount of money. Like, it, when you're out there and you're, you're shoveling for the fourth time in a day, and you see the mailman just, like, waist-high trudging through the snow to deliver mail, I'm like... Y'all, your bills can wait, because that's all you're getting in the mail now is a catalog or a bill. And think about our, our male brothers and sisters out here in Vegas, Fitz, where they're dealing oh with the, the heat, this extreme heat for three, four months of the year, and they're still crushing it. They're out there making sure everyone gets their bills and or pamphlets, whatever it is these days. But shout out to all our male people out there, man, because that, that is a tough job. I will say this, though, and this might be kind of a spicy take. The male uniform is kind of fire, though. Like, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's a good fit. Like, if they had, like, if I could wear that out on, like, a Friday night, oh, I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Would nah, you wear it this well, weekend as your Halloween, co- your Halloween costume? No, I would wear it next Wednesday, just <laughs> when I came to work. <laughs> I'm just imagining Eddie, who, for anyone that doesn't know, likes a really high, high-end high craft brew, right? I sure do. Like, so, like, Eddie's into, like, the, the finer things in life. I can only imagine Eddie walking in uh, to a local Las Vegas establishment that's known for its craft brew. Right. And he comes in and whether that be beer or root beer, your choice, Eddie, you know, it depends on what kind of day it's going to be. Eddie walks in in a full mailman outfit and sits down at the end of the bar a la cheers. And it's just like it feels like that's that's an old guy reference, Eddie. You got to go look on the YouTubes and you'll find it. I'm imagining you sitting down and asking somebody like what's going on while you're drinking a craft brew and you're sitting there in your mailman outfit. I mean, look, here's the thing. And now, thankfully, we're, we're coming out of this, you know, a lot of bit. But that was the, one of the, the things that I missed most uh, during COVID and obviously moving here during the middle of the pandemic. Jamon and I are both curious to see where this goes. Yeah. Yes, please go on. <laughs> was, uh, so when I, the place that we lived in Alameda, <laughs> my, the, uh, the boss and I, we lived right around the, we lived right outside, right, not right outside the facility, but a few minutes away from the facility. But we had a bar, like a neighborhood bar that was literally, like, I don't know, 25 paces from, from where we lived. And a great little spot. And that's one of the things that I missed the most about everything the past year was being able to go sit in a bar, make a friend, and be like, hey, brother, 
how's your day going? And then just chit, 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 and chatting. And it was fantastic. And I miss it. But now, like I said, getting a little closer to doing that. But all the same, man, now, now that I'm at the point where I got to find places, uh, like I got to find bars out here because I'm, I'm rediscovering everything now 18 months into it. Ooh, we should do like a, a digital thing where we just go around and, and discover, you know, uh, bars it, where we just walk in and talk to random people and make them Raiders fans. I'm I, genuine, I genuinely Mostly would love nothing more. I would love nothing more. Now, I, I, I will take time off of my ESPN schedule to do that all day just because it puts us in bars together. And really to see how the conversation changes. Uh, you mentioned the boss, which would be your beautiful wife. If yes. you walked in uh, to, to the room, she's ready to go out on a Wednesday night. You guys are going to find, you know, some, some high, high-end beers. You walk in and you're wearing a mailman outfit. Is she looking you? She, I, I'm imagining it's an up and a down and an up and then a side to side as she says, no, go change. Uh, it's, it's not even a full, a full uh, you know, up and down. It's an immediate no. It's an immediate. No. It's absolutely not. Try again. That's what I'm getting. And she's and like we... the she's pretty good. Like the one thing that she does uh, does get on me for in terms of my wardrobe is I'm a big, especially in my off hours fits. I'm a big sweatpants guy. I'm a big sweatsuit guy. Like I like to be comfortable. And she tells me like, hey, you can't wear. You got to wear like the thing she gets me. Put, put on real pants. Put on real pants. That's what that's the line she drops a lot. Okay, so, and I wear, like, I am a shorts and hoodies sort of person year-round. Like, I wear hoodies all year until I absolutely can't, and I know that. And I recently went to grab a, there was a, there's a good pizza place right down the road, right? And they don't deliver. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to go grab a pizza. I'm going to have a splurge day. I walk in, and they just taken new ownership, wanted to try out, make sure I like the new ownership. I walk in, I get the pizza, uh, you know, a guy's super nice to me, he's talking, and, and as I'm leaving, he's like, hey, man. Uh, can I one request I'm like yeah dude what's up and he's like you live close by I said yeah and he's like next time maybe not not slippers and I looked down and realized that I had literally like I was wearing slippers with my shorts and a hoodie as I went into an actual pizza place you know that that's what happens like it starts at sweats and before you know it you're out in your underwear with your socks up high and you're asking somebody where the tv guide is in the grocery store Hey, nothing wrong. Hey, and this won't surprise either you guys. I got multiple robes. I'm deep in the robe game. Oh, that so when doesn't I'm, surprise when me. I'm in my, when I'm in Eddie mode at home, full robe. You know, put some sweatpants on, a robe. I'm living life, baby. Is there like a cigar happening too? Like, are we going cigar or No, pipe? I should. Because I should implement that into my, uh, into my routine, into my look. Perhaps, you know, now that the cold is coming here, quote unquote, now that the cold is coming, we can do that. I, I, Demond, you've got a text. It, it really, my, yeah, my God, save us DeMond? at this what point. What do you got? Mailman Raider, he He's chimed back. back in. Yeah. Never hit a radio show and got hyped up back. Thanks, boys. The crazy part <laughs> is, in the years I've been at the post office, I haven't worn pants. One time, strictly shorts. Oh, wow. man. All shorts. Yeah, all, shorts. all shorts. And then he gives his top four AFC teams, yeah. Bills, Titans, <laughs> Bengals, and Raiders. <laughs> Bills, Titans, Bengals, Raiders. I don't mind that. A lot of Chargers hate on it. Bill, Titans, Bengals, Raiders. I... I'm in for all of that. Hey, Eddie, it just occurred to me. If we do this bar hopping thing around Vegas while we yeah. make Raiders fans, if you went in the mailman outfit, I could dress like uh, Norm from Cheers, and we could basically be that duo and go sit at the edge of every bar and have a beer. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in for that. Like, I might have to get a fat suit because, you know, I'm taking care of myself over the last couple of years, but uh, I'm in for this. Like, a we're, whole we're Cheers bit. We're definitely getting closer. I think the one thing that I will request, though, since we're taking a Raiders theme on this, I need a silver and black mailman outfit, though. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at it. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. Look, we have an incredible creative department here. They've helped me out with a lot of random requests, especially over the past year or so. And if I said, hey, guys, I need you to mock me up a mailman outfit, but with silver and black and the shield on it somewhere, it might take them a little bit, but I believe in them. They They would do it for sure.
Okay, if you could get me a Norm outfit, and then every time we walk in, instead of singing, where everybody knows your name, we'll, we'll just sing, where every Raider knows your name. See, we've made it team-related, and all of a sudden, bang, we go in and we get names of people while they buy us. The company's buying the drinks, right? Oh, yeah, you and I are certainly not paying for anything in this scenario. That is, that is object number one. When we go to the I mean, negotiation d- table, Fitz, I, thing number one, we are not paying for any of this. Tamon, you want to be the cameraman on this? I'm trying to get free drinks for everybody. I'll be I'll be in on this in however capacity you guys need me. Uh, see, I've just come up with with the brilliant creative content we didn't know we needed. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz, and we might have just made the worst 20 minutes of radio on Raider Nation Radio in the history of the day, at least. But you guys can chime in with your top four. There's one team that everybody's sleeping on, and by the end of the year. They're going to be in the top four. I'm going to tell you who it is next. And in the meantime, you guys can keep chiming in. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT the Brick. And we're back on the JT the Brick show. Filling in for JT this week is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. Demond doing all the real hard work here. Together, we're the fifth quarter takeover of JT the Brick. We appreciate JT letting us take this time slot. Most importantly, I say this often, and I hope you guys know this, we appreciate every single one of you that takes the time to listen to us. We love hanging out. Eddie and I would hang out and talk about the Raiders all day, every day, but that doesn't have meaning if you guys aren't listening to it. So for all of you that spend your day listening to Raider Nation Radio or consuming our work on Raiders.com or my work on ESPN.com, like any, anywhere that you're consuming us, I cannot echo this loudly enough. Every job I've ever had in my life has been because people choose to give money, time, and ears to it, and that means the world. So thank you for giving us this time yesterday, today, and hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully we've won you over enough. You'll keep hanging out with us every single day as we uh, were in for JT. Damon, you say we've got, uh, we've got texts coming in on the text line. What do you got? Yeah, these texts, they keep getting more off the beaten path. It says, uh, can you guys ask, mailman, ask my mailman brother, mailman Raider, what city he works in? I'm in Santa Clara, Raider Dre. All right, Mailman Raider, I hope you're still listening. What city are you in? Texas back. By the way, I'm a big fan of Mailman Mike. That's my guy in Connecticut. Mm. I Sometimes I feel like Mailman Mike might actually want to hang out with me at a Grateful Dead show, if you know what I mean. But I'm sure. not sure that uh, – but it, he's always so happy. to. And it doesn't matter. It could be like four degrees outside, and he walks up, and he's like, what's up, Jason? Like every time. He's, he's having a good time. You know what's been fantastic about the past two, day fits, uh, two days, Fitz, and Damon, is that yesterday we got to hype up the crossing guards. Today we're hyping up the mailman and mailwomen, the male people. And, man, we're just we're showing love to everyone, man. People that don't get enough love in the day-to-day world, that's what we're here for, to give them some love, give them some shine, and a uh, little, little love and admiration never hurt anyone. I'm going to do, now that we've buttered everybody up, I'm going to make everybody really mad. Do uh, it. I'm going to give a little love and shine to the Chiefs. because Oh, look, why? I know. This, we were having a nice day. I know, but here's the thing. If I got to make a top four list today, the Chiefs are not on it. We all know that. The Chiefs are playing like garbage right now. Their defense is just an abomination. It's awful. Their defense is like that that person, like you fell in love with her in high school, and then you found her on Facebook, and you're single now, and you're like, she's going to be beautiful still, and we're going to have a, we're gonna have this long, loving relationship again. And then you find her, and you're like, oh, no, she let herself go. That's what the Chiefs have done. They've let themselves go on the defensive side of the ball. And frankly, Patrick Mahomes is playing like he forgot the whole premise of, like, keep the ball on your team's side. Like, the the turnovers have been terrible. But they're still so stinking talented, it's hard for me not to believe that by the end of the year they won't be a top-four team in the AFC. What say you, Eddie? Yeah, as... Look, Ooh, I'm pinning him in. He doesn't want to answer it because he wants you to love him. We've had We've had a lovely day. It's been fantastic hanging out here. I've enjoyed every second of it. 
But I have to agree with you again, as much as it breaks my heart, you can't sleep on the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been telling all of my buddies, because you know, I have a lot of people in my life who are like, oh, Chiefs are done. We'll see them in, uh, in 2022, yada, yada, yada. And I always go, ah, not so fast. Listen, do I think that they're the Chiefs that we saw a year ago and in 2019? No, I, I certainly do not. But whenever you have Patrick Mahomes on your roster, when you have Andy Reid, a guru, doing his thing, and look, Objectively, the defense is not good. I don't think there's anyone here that's going to dispute you there. That is not a good defense. But when you have the combination of Reed and Mahomes and you got Travis Kelsey and all those weapons over there, they're going to figure it out. Now, are they going to figure it out to the tune of running the table and going with their three and four, so going 13 and four? I don't think so. But I would be shocked if at the end of the year, when we get to December, when we get to middle and late December, when the holidays start rolling around, I would be absolutely shocked if the Chiefs were not part of that conversation in the AFC. And it breaks my heart to say it fits. I take no joy in this. It is not something that I relish in, but I think it's just reality. And I think, to, to say, kind of quote off what I said earlier, I think that's just what is so. And when you have people like that, you can never count them out until mathematically they are out of things. Yeah, well, now we'll say the Chiefs got a little bit of a tough road to hoe. We we mentioned our schedule coming up, but I mean the Giants. That's it. That's an easy one. But then they have the Packers. They have the Raiders. They have the Cowboys. Uh, they obviously have the Raiders twice. They still have the Chargers. They still have the Bengals. So they do have tough games ahead of them. It's just hard for me to to bank that they're out of all of this conversation. We haven't even mentioned Cleveland in the top uh, of the AFC, and I understand that that's because Cleveland's Cleveland, right? But the Browns are four and three, and I, I we might be a little bit too quick to give up on the Browns also. So I, I think the AFC still got so much ahead of them, it's going to get crazy. Damon, you look like you're about to laugh at all of us. What's going on? Damon's got this sneaky look on his face where he knows <laughs> something funny's happening. What? No, well, we just got a text. Um, I, I do think that I'll be the person that the Chiefs are done. I said it. I'll be oh. that. I'll be that guy. <laughs> well, just for this season, you know, they'll still maybe make a comeback or they'll make me look stupid and rally off like 10 in a row. But we have a text, and it says, since the show is off the rails already, in a good way, will DeMond make a run-in at next year's Money in the Bank at Allegiant Stadium, Glenn in San Jose? Is Money Ooh. in the Bank in Allegiant next year? Yep. Oh, man, you got to do that, DeMond. Like, can we just make that happen? <laughs> like, I, here's the thing. It, it would really be awesome if DeMond made the run-in without the invite. Like, let's just yes. see how many people he can get through before actually, like, before anybody stops anything. And, like, there's already money in the bank with what you'd be getting off your social media, especially if you just, like, wore a T-shirt that had a, you know, like, I don't know, maybe eddieandfitz.com. We're going we're gonna to make that a thing now. Uh, <laughs> Trademark. If we... If we if we uh, if we put that on your shirt, like think all the money we'd give you like six dollars. That's money in the bank. I buy enough. you lunch, Damon. Oh man, we're sold. I'm sold. Wait, wait, wait. Could we could we use that as a collateral for the free drinks on the bar tour? That way, we're not actually having to pay for anything, Eddie. I should have texted you that on the side yes. without saying that while Damon can yes. hear us. I mean, that's, you know what's funny? That's, UNLV still has not won a game in two years, and they were so close a few games ago. And I was like, hey guys, if UNLV wins, I think I'm going to storm the field. Yeah. I was like, if I galvanize a good 20 people, they can stop us all. And it's like, yeah, I think they can. 15 people. UNLV, like, they may not have won a game, but they win our hearts with the gear. I mean, like, oh, right man. now the jerseys look beautiful. And, I like, I've been openly shilling on all my college football shows to try and get some free UNLV stuff so I can wear it on TV. Nothing. They haven't sent me anything yet. Like, you, I, I'm trying. I, I, I'm desperately trying to get free UNLV gear. You're not alone in that in that battle, Fitz, in that quest to get some cool UNLV gear. Because, I mean, their uniforms are spectacular. The, uh, yeah, I but was you're the an game. Oregon fan. Like, I'm a nobody fan. You're an Oregon. I'm a UNLV fan. Do you, don't, you don't have any allegiance? You, I mean, no. To college football, the reason I love 
covering college football is I don't care who wins or loses. Mm. I just want massive chaos. Now, I grew up going to UNLV games as a kid, so uh, not not football games. Nobody went to UNLV football games when I was there. <laughs> but the, the Stacey Augman, Larry Johnson era of UNLV basketball was my childhood. So I'm a UNLV basketball fan, sure, all day, every day. They ha- also haven't sent me anything. <clears throat> I, I can I can rep UNLV, I feel like, kind of by osmosis because uh, the boss is a graduate student there, so she's getting her master's degree at UNLV right now. So technically, uh, well, not technically, 100%, she is a student there, so she's got the student ID and everything. So I feel like I can kind of, like I said, by osmosis and the fact that we, we live together, I can root for UNLV as well. But I will say this, Fitz. I went to the UNLV-Utah State game two weeks ago, and Sorry. I was so pleasantly surprised by what an incredible atmosphere it was there. Because, look, let's be honest, UNLV has not won a game since, what, 2019, right, Damon? And so yep. it would not be surprising if there was no one there, if the spirit was terrible, if it was a blah environment. But I got to give a lot of folks credit, man, because it was a blast. I had the time of my life. Everyone there was having a great time until that final possession. But, I mean, big shout-out to the, the folks at UNLV for being diehards and knowing, hey – our team is not going to do a whole heck of a lot this year, but we are going to show up and we are going to keep our fingers crossed for that that big first win. Yeah, I can't wait till UNLV is in the Pac-12 and then you'll have to make a decision between all that Oregon gear we all know you own and oh, the it won't be UNLV a decision. Gear. It'll be a very quick decision, Fitz. There will oh, be zero, zero yeah, deliberation. Eddie, real quick, I got yeah. it. Like, you know Levi, who works for Raiders.com? I am familiar with Levi. The UNLV, they put out the nice hype video. They were calling them the Cherry Reds. It was what they wore for that Utah State game. And I, and I quote tweeted and I said, we not losing. And then Levi tweeted back at me. He was like, man, they got the hardest uniforms, but they doing all, all this to lose. And it's just like, man, you got me. It is tough. Why does Levi got to hurt like that? Like, I know. If there's, I, I don't know. And did anybody change our mind on the top four? I've still got the Raiders at four. By the end of the, uh, by now we get into the fun part with a minute left, right? By the end of the year, Eddie, yes, your prediction in the top four of the AFC, where will the Raiders be by the end of the year? Man, you, you know, don't have I, to say you don't have to say who's ahead of them. Just where would they fall? That that's a tough question. I think that's why I my my heart of hearts tells me. That as of right now, they are appropriately ranked, and I think that they're going to continue at a trajectory that is going to keep them in that top four. I think four is probably the appropriate slot for them. Um, keeping in mind, we have a ton of football left to play. But look, the Tennessee Titans play an incredible brand of football. Buffalo playing a really good brand of football. You know what? I'm going to bring them up to three. By the end of the year, we're going up to three. That's it. Up to three. We're going to move one more spot. And all that matters, Fitz, though, is that you have a spot that gets in the tournament. Once you're in the postseason, crazy things can happen. As you know, it doesn't matter if you're the one seed, the four seed, anywhere in between. As long as you get there, that's all that matters. And I hope that the Raiders will be there. Uh, But for the sake of this argument, I give me number three. By the end of the regular season, I think they're also number three. But the trick is I think there's two teams in the AFC West that will be in the top four. One will be at two. One will be at three. That's wow. all I'm saying. I'm not going to give any more detail than that. Wow, wow, Devon, wow. you have done spectacular work today. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We will be back tomorrow hanging out. So please hang out with us. Thanks so much to you guys for listening. And thanks for JT the Brick for letting us fill in. <laughs>